Goodreads Better Friends. It's been so freaking long. Um, we apologize. Life happens. Life has been consistently happening since I was born, and I don't, I don't get like why. It, <laughs> I mean, like I'm recommend. like happy to be alive and stuff, but like. Yo, chill out. I know, like, can everything just, like, calm the fuck down, please? Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. I love that I have things that are keeping me going in my life, but also, like, I think I just need, like, an extra two days to do nothing. And then I would be fine, you know what I mean? Oh my god, we should move to one of those countries that has a four-day work week. Yeah. Or even a country that has a siesta in the afternoon. I would totally get down on a siesta. Oh my god, we'd be so good. We'd be so solid (laughs) if we could have a siesta in the middle of the day. I agree. You know what? I would be more than happy to work 40 hours a week if if it meant we could split it up and, like, have, like, a chunk of Listen, time in the middle of the day. I often think about how I wish I could just work my 40 hours whenever I feel like it. Yeah. Like, just, it would it be a lot of working the week. late at night mm-hmm. and stuff like that, because that's when I'm, I would rather work than, like, when I do work. I don't, well, on Saturday, I work, worked overtime. I worked for two hours in the morning, went on a jog, took a shower, ate my lunch, and then worked two more hours later in the afternoon. That was perfect. I mean, it's only four hours, but still, it, it felt like I actually got, got to have some day in between yeah. that. So, um, That'd be nice. Hey, employers, get with <laughs> us. Do that or pay us a living wage or maybe both. Both would, be both would be ideal. Solid. You can Please. treat us like humans. <laughs> Thank you so cool. much. <laughs> um, well, anyways, that was our first diatribe. Get ready for more of those. <laughs> um, what we're trying to say is life's been hectic and yes. we love our podcast, but we are also humans that get tired. So yeah. and we do this for free, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can't prioritize it over other things no. sometimes, you know. No, no, can't. It's not that we don't enjoy doing it. It's just sometimes life happens, just like we said. Yeah. Um, sorry, my laptop is warning me of online scams. See that? <laughs> None of which I'm susceptible to, so it's fine. Yeah, I just received training and work for how to avoid scams. <laughs> mm. Yes, we're experts. Mm-hmm. So, what's everybody else been up to today? So great to hear. That's so cool. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> um, today we're just going to talk about some books that we've read um, since the last time we talked about books. Because yeah, last couple of times we got together have been focused on something specific, poetry. Yeah. or Because I think it was like the You episode, yeah. and then it was the poetry episode. Yeah. So, we have a lot of books to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Well, a four. <laughs> like, yeah, like a few. <laughs> a few. No, more than four. Cool. You want to jump right in it? Do you want to take turns with each individual book, or do you want to do a chunk and I do a chunk? Well, I'm only going to talk, like, I'm going to tell you some of the books I read and, like, briefly about them, but there's one book that I'm going to go, like, hard into because I fucking loved it. It was great. Um, but Aisha's been on a romance kick lately. Don't know Ooh, why. Her steamy. romance life is not popping. So <laughs> don't know why she's been on that. But um, yeah, how do you want to do it? Back and forth? Chunk? Let's just do chunk and a chunk. Chunk right. and a chunk. You rock, paper, scissors? <laughs> oh, you mean radio gold? <laughs> yes. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Wait, so that means I go first, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Go first. I also wanted you to go first, so that works for me. <laughs> okay. Well, the first book, I actually just finished this recently um, because my friend told me to read it, and I don't know. I'm, like, super into fantasy books. I'm really... I can read any genre of book. If someone tells me the book is good, 
I'll read it and probably like something about it. Mm -hmm. Like I do not have a favorite genre. I'll read anything. So I read A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss, which I have been meaning to read for a while because I've never heard anything bad about it, except I guess some people said there was like race, racial issues in it. I didn't quite see that. What I see is like, and this is like true for a lot of fantasy and sci-fi books, they always have a group of people that are oppressed and a group of people that aren't. And, and it always is going to mirror society. It always is. And that's exactly what she did here. Um, there are these people called fae and they are actually not fairies because fae is typically fairies they're um werewolf type they're like lichen type and they have different kinds of powers some of them are like high elves like they're it's very cool the, the universe is almost like skyrim it's fucking great mm -hmm. um but the main character is just a human and the world that she lives in is just a human world and there's like a treaty between the fae and the humans to like like they can't kill each other and she ended up killing the fae so she was taken quote unquote captive uh, but not really he took her from her poor life and basically gave her like freedom and his on his land which was like this big beautiful castle he is like one of the most powerful high elves and she has like her own room and freedom to like roam and and it's just like she's living luxury for the first time in her life because mm -hmm. she came from like a poor family and the only reason she had killed that fae was for money to feed her family mm -hmm. so like he put her in a better situation they did fall in love it was a great story i love the whole thing <laughs> i listened to 23 hours of this <laughs> book it was so good i was not supposed to talk that much about it but it was, it was solid y'all um, my next book is Slammed by Colleen Hoover. Oh! <laughs> I haven't read Verity yet. It's on my list, I promise. <laughs> but No, you could. I, I read this one first because my friend, we went on vacation first week of May, and she was on a Colleen Hoover kick, and she told me to read this because it's about slam poetry, and mm -hmm. she's like, it has poetry, you're gonna love it. I mean, she was absolutely right, but I was like... I mean, just because it has poetry in it doesn't mean I'm gonna like it. And then I read it and was fucking hooked. Okay. Really? Um, yeah, it's about this... It's a little weird, because it's about this guy um, who's a teacher, and he falls for one of his students. But he, she's 18, and he's 21. And um, they didn't... Like, when they first met and started... They went on, like, one or two dates, I think, before they realized that they were... Oh, okay. So everything happened before they knew that they were a teacher and student. And also his parents died. Um, so he's in charge of, like, his little brother. And he, like, rushed. He was able to, like, rush through his schooling and graduate quickly so that he could become a teacher. I was going to ask how he was a teacher. At 21. Yeah. I was wondering <laughs> okay. that, too, when I first read it. I was like, this and this math ain't mathin'. Like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not mathin'. But he, like, he went through accel accelerated programs so that he could graduate okay. early and become a teacher and make enough money to take care of him and his brother. But it was, like, he was a poetry teacher, and he did, like, all this slam poetry, and he bought po poetry into these people's lives and um just they just needed each other like you know he was dealing with the loss of his parents and like having to be an adult so quickly and then her dad had just died and then her mother ended up getting cancer and died by the end of the book Jesus. i just spoiled the fuck out of uh, that <laughs> you guys have to walk into the show i'm sorry they're gonna be spoilers, right <laughs> i just oh, we should give a content warning. um yeah maybe <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah uh, it was a great book and there are two other books i have the second one i haven't read it yet but i'm just 
I, I fell in love with it. <laughs> uh, and I'm not, like I said, I'm, re I'm usually not super into romance novels, but like I've been hyper fixated on them lately. I don't know why. So my next one is called Book Lovers by Emily Henry. She also wrote People We Meet on Vacation, both of which I recommend because this woman writes romances so methodically, but like completely different than any other romance novel that I've ever read. Like it doesn't follow those typical romance tropes that we think of when we think of like a rom-com book. With this one, um, I wish I could remember the characters' names, but I can't. It's fine. But you are so engrossed in their romance and like the way that they see each other that you don't even notice the scene changes you're so just like hyper focused on them because their chemistry is so good it's the best written chemistry i've ever read in a book it was so good i'm not kidding you do not notice anything but that couple and then you're like oh how do we get that. here you don't care about any of the other characters <laughs> and it's not that they're not well written characters it's just that couple is so solid that you don't really care about anything else happening <laughs> it is such a great book um so if you're a fan of book lovers or <laughs> if you're a fan <laughs> of romance novels and emily henry if you've read people we meet on vacation then you know she's phenomenal she's a phenomenal writer so my next one is conversations with friends you know i don't recommend i did like normal people by sally rooney but conversations with friends it wasn't as realistic, I guess. I didn't really, I gave it like a three star rating on Goodreads. Like, I, I wasn't that into it. I could have like not read it. So um, I'm not really going to talk about it. And then I have The Charm Offensive by Alison Cochran. So this one was really great. It, and it sort of mirrors the one that I'm going to talk about when I watch. But um, The Charm Offensive is about this guy. Um, he is a producer on a show it's like a, a show sort of like the bachelor okay so it's this guy i think his name is charlie and he's like this rich guy and he owned a company and he was basically using this television opportunity because he is the bachelor to um gain the public trust back after he lost a share in his company so uh, and there was some dirty business with that which comes full circle um but he uses this opportunity to write himself but in the process he he is um he realizes that he's gay he realizes actually he realizes he's bisexual and he's falling in love with the producer because the producer is like specifically assigned to him and they like have like such good chemistry and such a good connection that he starts to realize that this is like a romantic attraction and he has to like come to terms with the fact that he's bisexual and um it's just it was just such a good book. Love just, a bisexual main know, character. Right? <laughs> like, okay. That was so, so good. So, yeah, I definitely recommend it. You're going to be, like, just dying the whole time you're reading it because it's so cute. But, yeah, that was a solid read. I was I was pretty excited about that. I just kind of gave it a chance because I can't remember what I read before that. That made me want to read. Oh, it was Red, White, and Royal Blue. Which oh, I didn't I've heard of that one. I actually didn't like it. Didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> I didn't like it that much. But the charm offensive was really good. It's worth it. I definitely recommend checking it out. Okay, so the one that I'm gonna talk about is called One to Watch by um, Kate Stamen London. So basically, it's about this girl named Bea Shoemaker or Shoemaker. I don't know. It could be Schumacher, but we're going to say Schumacher. I've heard it both ways, I feel I like. have, too. This one, like, I don't know which one it is. Um, so she is this plus-size 
uh, fashion blogger. Um, she's fucking great. She writes blogs about fashion and she also writes about this bachelorette type show called Main Squeeze. Okay, so let's backstory about Bia. B. I don't know if it's Bia or B, but mm. I've been I say B in my head. I think nice. it's B. So before she started the fashion blog thing, she had this like weird situationship with this guy named Ray, who like he was married. And he would like make her think that he was <laughs> in love with her. Sorry, that's my Snapchat. <laughs> um, he really did like lead her on through most of it, but it was sort of like a, you're a big girl, you're never going to be my wife, and I'm going to keep hiding you kind of thing. Um, Fuck that guy. Exactly. Fuck him. And she was so strong on him. And she was so like heartbroken when she went into main squeeze. But basically she had insulted the lack of body diversity that was on the show. And then main squeeze reached out to her and was like, hey, why don't you be on the show then? So, Ooh. and it's really like, cool. So she would be like the bachelorette yes. and the dudes would be competing to be with yes. her. Oh, I love this. Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, she was like, sure. And like the, one of the cool things about it was that she was like, very real the whole time she was very open about her insecurities like in the first episode they wanted her to put a bikini on and she was like yeah no i don't know about this because she's a bigger woman she's like i don't know if i really want to get in a bikini on national television and then between each episode it has like this really cool segment of like producers notes that they'll go through and then It'll flip to, like, podcasters and bloggers commenting on, like, her being the Bachelor. And it's really, really... Or Bachelorette, I should say. It's really cool because you have, like... There's this one podcast where these two girls are talking about it. And they're just like, this is so controversial. And, like, it doesn't really need to be. And they're like, you know what? I'm fully invested. And you sort of see their their commentary, like develop with every cool. every time they're on because at first they're like i don't know if this is going to be cool and then you know later down the line they're like i'm on b side she's amazing blah 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 but then you have like male podcasters going who wants this fat woman like yeah. straight up being fat phobic and fat shaming her mm-hmm. and it's like disgusting and it's like so realistic i just mm-hmm. loved it okay so she meets these guys there's asher sam luke and wyatt um asher is like kind of older he's a father of two he's like recently heartbroken the mother of his kids just abandoned him and the kids so he's like stuck raising these kids and he didn't originally want to do the show but his kids were kind of pushing him to go because they want him to find someone Mm. Uh, the kids are kind of older i think they're like i think one's like 10 and one's like 12 so they're not like young we love asher sam is like a younger guy i think he's like supposed to be 23 or 24 or something and I don't remember anything that he does, but I do know that. <laughs> young. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's young. And that is that is like the thing that she tends to fixate on. Like, he he's saying like he wants this big relationship and to settle down, but it's like you're 23, you 24. Don't know what you want. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what <laughs> she's like the whole time. Yet, exactly. So like. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Luke. He is this foreigner, really strong accent, really handsome. And he just kind of like love bombs her all the time Mm, and then it sort of comes out that he sort of like did that just to make her feel confident but there were like he's not he doesn't really like her that Mm. comes out like towards the end of the book and then Wyatt 
who I can't super remember either. I was going to say, I like just glanced <laughs> at your notes and I noticed there's, there's nothing next to Wyatt's name. So he, uh, he's, he's not unmemorable. important, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but towards the end, you know, she goes through all these ups and downs. She has these real moments with these men. I think this is more intense because they have to sort of go beyond her body and sort of get to know her to fall in love with her, you know what I mean? It's just so fucking good. I can't even... I love this book. I could read it over and over again. So towards the end, she's left with Sam and then Ray. And Ray is the asshole that we fucking hate. And these producers, like, <laughs> snuck in. They snuck him in, okay? Uh-huh. Ray is the guy who she was having the thing with at the beginning of the book where he was um, hiding her and okay. he was, like, married and they were sort of in this Ooh. weird situation. Oh, no. They brought him on the show. He's, like, supposedly leaving his wife for her because he's so in love with her. And she's like... Oh, don't do it! No. She definitely grew away from Ray. So, good. go, girl. Oh, good girl. You go. You go. <laughs> and um, she actually... She decides not to choose either of the guys. Mm. And she chooses herself. I mean, she was already a queen, but she was, like, a massive glow-up queen by I the end of this book. And then... And then, Asher. <laughs> <laughs> so, his kids, like knew that he was in love with her it was very obvious to the entire book who she was going to end up with um because they had the strongest connection they were closer in age and they had like a lot in common especially with the fact that both of them had recently been brokenhearted. and his big thing was the kids which she had met and connected with too they loved b okay so they orchestrated this whole thing to get him to uh show up at this museum where she where she just happened to be they got him to like apologize to her and then like talk to her and you know confess feelings and all that stuff so they do end up together and then we get an epilogue where he proposes but it ends before we get a yes or no Uh, which makes me so mad I, i love that though because not only does she get the dude but she gets to choose herself first yes i think it's so yes awesome and important especially in a novel that's like kind of about like loving yourself mm-hmm. and being positive towards yourself. I love that. And that's also a lot of what her blog was about. It was all like her self-love journey and yeah. her and like so she, body positivity. And the ultimate piece yes. of a self-love journey. Yes. It that's was awesome. so good. Like, oh my god, Yay. I loved it. <laughs> I hope oh, I talked gosh. about it well. but I think um, you did, yeah. I 10 out of 10, I recommend one to watch. And I actually saw... Like, I was very timid about reading this because I saw some, like, real negative reviews about it. Don't go to Goodreads. That's Don't exactly what I did. Goodreads. Yeah. Goodreads convinces me that I hate books that I love. I know. I, not really. I'm, like, trying to be impartial. Uh, no, that's not true. But you know what I mean. I'm trying to, like, follow my own feelings and mm-hmm. opinions. But sometimes Goodreads, I'm just like... Ugh, you know. <laughs> That's why I don't trust people's opinions on video games either, because I always mm, find, yep. for, well, the way that I've always been, just like with things like books and and movies and and music, even, mm-hmm. which is why I have such a diverse music taste, is I think that every artist um, has like a good song, and I yeah. think movies have really good parts to it, and you know, um, what were we talking about books? <laughs> what were we talking about on our if, book podcast? If the book, oh. <laughs> if the book is well written, I won't even notice that it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that excludes Tommy Wallach. Okay, please never write a book again. Okay, that one? I'm still the I, one with we the all teenagers. Up. Yeah, that's we it. all looked up. 
I'm still pissed about that shit. It was <laughs> never write a book poorly again. written. Never write a book again. <laughs> How can you write such poetic lines and have such shit plot? What's wrong with you? I think we'd be okay if R.H. Sin stopped writing too. Yeah, R.H. Sin can stop. Oh my gosh, R.H. Sin and every like male poet just like him because they're yeah. like, there's like a whole bunch like R.M. Drake mm. that have all popped up and they write in the mm. same style and it's like, it's like Tumblr poetry. But with that shitty pop punk, this girl doesn't like me even though I'm a nice guy yeah. sentiment to it. Yeah. Which I love pop punk, but how many fucking pop punk songs are like, uh, she doesn't love me. The girls even are straight up I'm hustler. a slob and my apartment <laughs> is gross. She doesn't love me. Yeah, I don't know who That I was a whole song right there. <laughs> yeah, so, um, <laughs> you sang so many band songs just now. <laughs> So anyway, that's why like I like the front bottoms, but I had to stop listening to the front oh bottoms because I was like, shut the fuck she up. Sleep on Jesus, dude, chill. Sorry. Anyways, I went on a whole diatribe. That was diatribe number maybe two, probably two? more. Just yeah, there um, will be more. We're only twenty minutes into this bad boy. Excellent. There will be more. There will be more. Did you want to say? I kind of took over. That. Oh no, I was actually done with that. Um, okay. fuck you, Ray. Okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, Fuck you, Ray. Ray and any guy like him. Who's Ray? Ray oh, is the, the asshole situation. The asshole. Yeah. <laughs> shit. The hider. Situation. Shit. Okay. Right. If by the way, if you like big girls, just fucking like big girls. Like, yeah, one thing that I've learned it. about being on TikTok is that men. There are so many women, so many big women who like have a lot of situations where men just hide them or like where men like openly make jokes about the fact that they like have a lot of sex with big women but hide it like they there's there was like one video where this guy like um his sneaky link quote unquote was this bigger girl and he like climbed out of her window and hoped that his friends like didn't see him climbing out the window it's like if you Christ, like big dude. girls just fucking like big girls y'all fuck. men are so worried about me too just chill just, the fuck out honestly men are so worried about what other men think and mm-hmm. it's like why are y'all so concerned about each other mm-hmm. just to make your gay okay we call that fragile masculinity <laughs> hey. Hey. Oh, okay. i'm also convinced most men in the world are bisexual <laughs> Completely. They're just. They hide it behind their bros, but I swear. I know. Don't even see their own gay. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. Guess it's time for me to talk about books. I've been dreading this because my favorite book that I want to talk about, I have no idea how to talk about it. I've been like, I've been putting it off more than I used to put off homework. Like (laughs) writing out my notes. I've been meaning to write notes about this since like Monday. Girl, I scribbled this before you got here. (laughs) I've been meaning to write notes about it since I finished it well over a month ago, and I never did it until until I was on the clock working earlier. (laughs) I hope nobody that we work with listens to this. Um, It's don't they don't know where we work, so it's fine. The people who work with us who listen to this know where we work. If they listen to it, it's fine. Um, <laughs> you can delete that part out if you want. No, it's cool. I don't even care. Um, okay. So, what have I been reading? Uh, well, I just finished. This is not in chronological order. I've also listened to more than this, but I didn't feel like talking about any of it. So, I just finished Where the Crowd Ads Sing. Oh, listening really to it on podcast. Or podcast? Listen okay. to the audiobook. It's good. That's like. Is it just a it general like, romance? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's more like... It's, I mean, yes. There's romance in it. But it's also very much about 
a young woman having, or she was a girl to begin with, having to be self-sufficient. There's a lot of abandonment issues. Basically, this girl, um, her name's Catherine Danielle, but she was called Kaya from a young age. So Kaya, her, uh, her dad, they lived in a little shack out in the marsh. It was her and her two brothers and two sisters. And um, this is in North Carolina, very close to the, the beach and the ocean. Um, they were living in like marshlands. And her dad was an alcoholic and he was abusive. And eventually her mom just couldn't take it and she just fucking left. Left the kids and everything, just was out of there. And then in quick succession, all of her siblings left. And then she was left alone. She was, I think, oh, I think seven, but maybe younger. Oh, gosh. She was very young. So she was left alone with her abusive alcoholic father. Mm. They, she mostly just avoided him, but she was like, ended up having to take care of herself most of the time. And then, like, eventually even her father left, and then she was by herself from, like, I think she was seven or eight on. Jeez. Having to take care of herself. And going into town just to get the most basic groceries, she was, like, digging mussels from the beach and selling them to uh, one of the local, like, uh, he ran, like, a little fish and tackle shop or something like that. I don't remember exactly. I think he had, like, he sold gas and stuff. Um, so she would go and sell them to him to make a minimum amount of money so that she could buy food and oil for her boat. And so she had, like, this reputation as the Marsh girl, you know? She's uh, uneducated. She never went to school. She went to school one day, and everybody made her feel so shitty for being the Marsh girl and not having shoes and just being, like, you know, trash, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So she never went back. And um, there was one boy who had been friends with her older brother who, like, started checking in on her named Tate, and he, like, taught her how to read. And then she was very smart, and she also was, like, she studied the marsh. She spent all of her time out on the marsh, so she knew a ton of stuff. So he was able to teach her how to read, and then he would bring her books, and she was, like, devouring them. And um, so everybody thought that she was, like, almost an animal, but in reality she was very smart. She just, like, was timid because nobody had helped her, mm-hmm. really, except for the guy who owned the little, um, like, oil shop or whatever. His name was Jumpin'. Oh, I don't remember his other name. Anyways, it was, like, Jumpin' something. But, um, so... Yeah, so basically, of course, she and Tate grow to have a relationship um, because he's the only one that, like, is tender towards her and, like, he's very kind and he appreciates her for herself and not, you know what I mean? And she ends up growing up, of course, she ends up growing up being beautiful. So um, he goes off to college and he says he'll come back, but he doesn't. And so she ends up having a relationship with this guy named Chase who keeps her a secret he doesn't want the people in town and he's like the f- captain of the football team whatever i'm sick of men so like it jumps back and forth between like 1969 which uh is when they're adults and chase is murdered oh and then like when they're kids so like starting from the beginning so it's like it'll be like a current chapter where they find his body and then i'll jump back to when kaya's a baby child basically and it jumps back and forth so they're making developments finding finding um evidence and shit like that and then it like kind of meets in the middle or a little past the middle where eventually kaya gets arrested for chase's murder and um and then there's like a tile a a trial does she what does she do oh i'm not gonna say out loud on this (laughs) but uh interesting it's uh But it leaves you hanging until the last minute. You don't know until the last minute. Um, You don't know until the very end of the book, pretty much, who did it. So, um, 
Yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty fascinating. I really want to go see the movie now. I kind of um, do too. Yeah, it's 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 good though. Like it didn't blow me away. It did. It was not a life changing book for me. You know what I mean? Like, like it has gotten people. so much critical acclaim, and I think it is. It's all. It's it's good. It's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, like I said, it didn't blow me away. I like things that are a little more. I don't. I don't know what I like. I think you like things that are darker. Maybe. I do like darker things. And yes. yeah, and yeah, philosophical. But this book I'm gonna talk about uh, in a minute's not dark at all. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. It just depends. I also kind of like sometimes I like whimsical things. I like more philosophical things sometimes. Uh, books that have quotes that you can pull from it and use just in life in general. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, uh, where the crawdads sing is pretty all right. It's good. Um, the next one is, I just finished this book yesterday. I got it from the library. It's called Pure Color by Sheila Hetty. Um, this book was kind of confounding to me because it, if I could use one word to describe it, it's tedious. <laughs> it is just, the phrases that are good, when I first started reading it, I thought, this is like the female Kurt Vonnegut. And then I got past that part of it, like the first chapter, and I was like, reading this is going to be like pulling teeth. So she, <laughs> lots of like simple sentences, you know what, how Kurt Vonnegut does that sometimes. Lots of simple sentences with profound things within them. So but, it goes. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. But then like full chapters where she says the same thing, but in slightly different sentence structures. It's just like, this book could have been so much shorter. It wasn't a long book, but just like, so basically the main character, uh, oh shit, Mirna? Mira? Mira. Uh, her father dies and this is her coping with her father's death. And in the beginning it establishes that basically this is the first draft of existence. God, um, which it doesn't necessarily say that it's like the it just says God, so it could be any God that you believe. But basically, God has finished the first, like, the rough draft, and he's taking a step back and looking at it now. And we're in the first draft, and he's seeing all the things that he can do differently, essentially. And it classifies, everybody falls into one of three categories. There's the bird, who, I'm going to slaughter this, I'm sorry. Basically, the bird is meant to observe and to critique and to be able to find the art in the world. The bear, his sole existence revolves around finding one to love, whether it be uh, a person, like a, a partner, or their child, or what, or their mother. Just they have one person that they dedicate their souls to. And then the fish is most absorbed by the good of the all, about of everybody, the entire community. They don't focus their love on one particular person. They want to make sure that the whole community can thrive. And so... Um, I think I identify most with the bird. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I was going to say the fish. The, the, the me? polyamorous fish. <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. I can see. I love it. I love it. So, no, but that's cool because, like, you do. You read it and you, like, instantly are like, I kind of feel like I belong to... And the way that she, like, words it is really cool. So, I, I that's, like, right in the beginning of the book. I was like, fuck, I'm going to love this book. But then it switches to Mira. And Mira is a bird. Her father is a bear, and the woman she falls in love with, Annie, is a fish. And so it's kind of like how these three 
different types of people. Like her father loved her with all of his heart and she couldn't reciprocate the love in an appropriate way because she didn't know how to because she was a bird and she kind of felt like she was flying above it. She wanted to love him in the way he needed to be loved, like, you know, with her whole heart, but she couldn't because that's not what she's capable of. At the same time, she's starting to feel a love for Annie, but Annie can't love her back in the way that she wants to be loved because Annie is most interested in the good of the all, you know, giving herself to the community. It's very interesting, but once again, sometimes the metaphors that are used are exhausting <laughs> and like i said they're reading the middle of this book was like pulling teeth for me i had to make myself read it uh i almost didn't finish it but i was like i'm gonna fucking finish this book and i'm glad that i did because one of my favorite quotes was at the end which i'm gonna read real quick there are lots of pictures of my cat okay uh it's basically talking about how mirna has like anxiety and regrets all the time. She regrets everything. She regrets not being there for her father enough, blah, blah, blah. It was a delusion to think that she had created the world and everything in it, that she had made up its rules and was always to blame. Where had that idea come from? Or did everyone feel that way a little bit? For it was actually God who was feeling it, the God who had in fact created the world. While he picked up on his shame for having, while we picked up on his shame for having made it in some ways poorly, and mistook this feeling, his res feeling of responsible for our own. I like that. So basically, <laughs> maybe the constant regrets that she was feeling was because God regrets making us. <laughs> Anyways, oh. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So it was an interesting book. I give it three stars because there were some really good things, and then also it was difficult to read. So, okay, I'm sorry. I'm, like, going through this real slowly. Um, fine. Take your time. The next one was The Vegetarian by Han... I think it's Han Kong. Or maybe it's Han Kang, but I think it's Han Kong. H-A-N-K-A-N-G. It is set in Korea. And it is basically about a woman was completely average. Her name was... Oh, don't have her written down couldn't think of it if I tried. <laughs> yeah, no, I could. It's Young Hye. Um, hey, <laughs> where'd that come from? There you go. Um, so she is like just a completely the most average woman. So she's basically described by three points of view from her husband's point of view, from her brother-in-law's point of view, and from her sister's point of view in three parts of this book. The first part is from her husband's point of view. Basically, he married her because she was simple average she wouldn't be a pain in his ass this guy sucks he knew that she would just do her duties as a wife and he wouldn't have to worry about it he didn't like putting an effort into anything in his life so he was totally okay marrying a woman who wasn't going to cause him any problems and then she becomes a vegetarian after having like a nightmare about basically like she has this awful nightmare about like slaughter and death and it's just like terrifying so she becomes a vegetarian, which is not nearly as common in South Korea as it is here in America. It's not like a very, I guess, according to this book, it's not a very culturally accepted way of being. A lot of their food has meat or meat product in it or animal product, I should say. Um, <clears throat> and so she becomes completely vegetarian. She doesn't want anything with broth or stock. She ends up not even wanting dairy or, or eggs or anything. So I guess that's vegan. Um, and it causes issues for her husband because, like, they go to a work dinner and she refuses to eat anything with meat in it, which is, like, 
basically an insult to their hosts. And so he like is pretty salty that they she's pretty much ruining her their marriage because she is a vegetarian. And so it escalates and she continues to have mental health deterioration and she's losing a bunch of weight and they try to force her to eat and uh, she ends up trying to kill herself and they put her into a mental hospital. So the second part of the book is she goes to live with her sister and his husband and her husband, her sister's husband, and uh, he becomes like sexually obsessed with her, specifically like a mark that she has on her body. He like can't stop thinking about it. He's like obsessed with her. And so, yeah. So anyways, and then the third part is from the sister's point of view. Um, where she's basically just trying to figure out where everything went wrong. And uh, it's a fascinating read. I um, I don't think I'll read it again. It wasn't bad. It was really interesting looking into a different culture. But it's kind of a huge bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you try to be like optimistic, but then you're like, but I really couldn't do but, this guy. Yeah, so it was like... All right. Wow, I have a lot of books that I'm just saying are all right, aren't I? <laughs> um, yeah, where are you getting these books from? <laughs> that one was, um, no, I don't know. It was like, <laughs> I have no she idea. She said shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I always read recommendations from different places. Where the Crawdads Sing, be, people have been bitching at me to read Where the Crawdads Same. Sing since we worked at Second and Charles. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the reason why I did that. Pure Color was just the coolest looking book that I saw at the library the other day. So I was like, when I read the flap, it looked so whimsical. And I read like a page and I was like, cool. And then, yeah, it just got bad in the middle. And then The Vegetarian, I definitely saw it on some sort of recommend. Oh, it was like in some book podcast I listened to. It was like NPR. I think they have like an NPR book club or some bullshit like that. So, um, yes. (laughs) Um, And then I have two more. One is uh, No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. This is definitely one of my favorite books I've ever read. I actually technically listened to it. Um, I wish that I could force everyone to read this book (laughs) or listen to it. It is so good. I became, like, in love with Patricia Lockwood after reading this book, and so I, I also read her memoir called Priest Daddy, which is awesome. Okay, that's why she sounds familiar, because I remember you talking about Priest Daddy. Yeah, yeah, Priest Daddy is really good. I'm sure I've talked about it on here before. Maybe not. I don't care. Um, Just check it out. (laughs) She Basically, her dad was a priest, so, uh, like, a Catholic priest, and so she kind of talks about growing up with a father like that, and uh, it's interesting. Um, She's hilarious. When you type in Priest Daddy. Oh, yeah, you want that to be one word, and you might want her name next to it. It's a little (laughs) scary. So no one is talking about this is basically a just artfully written book that's kind of like a uh, (laughs) kind of an interesting take on social media and our smartphones in general basically about how people can become famous over like a really silly tweet and stuff like that the main character you never know her name she's just referred to as her or she and then the people in her life are known as her her husband her sister her brother Uh, her father. The beginning of the book is hilarious because she tweets something dumb like, can dogs be twins? And then it it like becomes viral basically. It gets retweeted a bunch. Eventually she tweets more dumb shit 
And she, like, at some point is asked to, like, basically tour as an influencer at this point. And she's going around giving, like, talks. She's giving, like, lectures at universities about dumb shit that she, like, tweets. And she feels like she's not super qualified to be doing this. And it's just a lot of interesting encounters. Also, they refer to phones or the internet as the portal. And so, uh, it's... It, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It's, um just a very like wry look at how addicted everyone is to their phones she's addicted to her phone and um just like talking about how like you know your your grandma joins facebook or your aunt joins facebook to look look at pictures of her grandchildren and then eventually she becomes like an extreme alt-right kind of person you know what i mean and it's just like it's really fascinating it takes like a really serious turn when her sister uh, finds out she's pregnant and so they're like you want this yay or nay and she's like I want it and so everybody's like very excited but then they quickly find out that there's something wrong with the baby and so she has the baby and basically it's one of the situations where the baby is going to grow at a rate with her like her organs are growing at a rate or maybe her head's growing at a rate where her body can't keep up with it and it will kill her so they know they have a very short amount of time with her so the portal becomes this tool to like record you know what i mean the baby and like keep memories of the baby but also like the main character's weird relationship with the portal is like she becomes so dis disillusioned with it because she's finally seeing something in real life that isn't as important to her as maintaining her presence in the portal or whatever this book i've listened to it on audiobook twice and it's made me cry both times i knew i even knew what was coming the second time and it still made me cry and i didn't expect for it to make me cry because the first i'd say two-thirds of the book are fucking hilarious well, morgan you are the most emotional <laughs> i am a very emotional i, I am an emotional well, creature in, to I, quote okay. Ensler. i'm sorry um, i won't no, say good. emotional I but am. you are ruled through tears just like yeah. emily yeah my, my best friend emily is like she she always says her emotions are tied to her tear ducts mm -hmm. well and i i do i cry when i'm happy too i cry for no reason sometimes sometimes my eyes just are wet <laughs> more wet than the normal person <laughs> Cry when I'm angry, cry, definitely cry when I'm sad, cry when I hear like a really beautiful like Apple commercial about like, you know, that, you know that commercial where the girl like finds a record of her grandma singing and she puts it onto her phone for her grandma, it's like through Apple, that makes me cry, <laughs> it's just so beautiful. Am I broken? Her, her grandma's like, oh, that's me. And I'm just like, yeah, it is. Oh, Anyways, um, so it does make me cry. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> You're um, No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. I think it's really beautifully read by the person who reads it on the audiobook. But, and in fact, I would have brought a copy with me and read some quotes from it, but I cannot find a physical copy at the moment, and I'm not doing Amazon, and I'm not buying, trying not to buy things online anyways right now, so until I find it in person, I'm just going to have it on my wish list forever. So, uh, what was I talking about? No one is talking about this. That's it. I love that book so freaking much. Um, oh yeah, I have Libby now. Oh, do you? <laughs> yes. I just living. used up my last credit from Audible. Because if you cancel Audible when you still have credits, they take those credits away even though you fucking paid for them. So, I just bought The Secret History by Donna Tartt. 
with my next Audible credit, because it's, like, 21 hours, so I'm, like, going to get the most out of it. Yeah. And then, um, and then I'm going to cancel it, because I still get to keep all those books on there. I paid for them, because mm-hmm. I like re-listening to my books. It makes me happy. I like to pet them. Um, okay. <laughs> what was I talking about? Um, so my next book is called Friends and Strangers. That's not actually what it's called. It's called <laughs> Strangers and Cousins. By Leah Hager Cohen. Leah Hager Cohen is one of my favorite authors. I don't think I've talked about her other books on here because I read them like years ago, but she wrote a book called No Book But the World. And when I read it, it's not that like there is something that I got out of the book that like changed who I was, but once I've read it, I felt changed. You know what I mean? It didn't like provide me with a new life philosophy or anything. I just read it and I was like, I'm gonna think about this book forever. I don't know why. I still, but... And so, um, she also wrote one called The Grief of Others, which was also another beautiful book that I felt... Oh, I, like, sometimes, like, have hangovers from books, and I always feel like I have hangovers from Leah Hager Cohen's books. So this one's much, much brighter. <laughs> I feel like one of my biggest, like, characteristics is that, like, everything makes me feel a lot, but I also feel completely incapable of, like articulating how I feel in a way that feels satisfying to me and I was thinking about that while I was trying to write out notes for this today because like there is no way that I can properly convey the complexities of this book or how they make me feel because I'm not a very articulate person I think like I can come up with some words but like I can't talk about how I feel in ways that satisfy me anyways but I feel that. I, I just I feel like that's relevant to say because like I'm about to slaughter explaining this book and I just want you to know it's a very good book. I just so just bad at talking about it. I'm sure. So basically, this book uh, revolves around uh, the Erland Blumenthal family. It takes place in their large old family home that's been in the family for generations in Rundle Junction, New York, which is this really small town in New York. The, the big event that's taking place is the eldest daughter of the family, Clem, is coming home to the family home to get married, to have her wedding ceremony there. And uh, she just graduated with a performance art degree, and she plans to surprise her guests by throwing this, uh, turning the ceremony into an experimental art piece that completely deconstructs the concept of weddings altogether. It's complete chaos. <laughs> And that's only like one small strand of the story. Uh, my favorite thing about this book is that, first of all, I don't think, my family's not, my family's a messy family, but it's not like one of those big messy families with a bunch of siblings and stuff. But I feel like I, I grew up around families like that. And I feel like this book illustrates those so beautifully. Like the, the love, the lovely connection that they all share, but also just like the messiness of it. And there are tons of characters in this book, and it flips around from points of view from all of them. They're never first person, but you get a look into their, like, thoughts and their minds. Some characters you only get to spend two pages with, but in those two pages, Leah Hager Cohen completely illustrates a beautiful world of them. You know what I mean? Like, you get full depth of personality from them. You, You almost understand their backstories without it even being fully put to page. Just every character you meet is charming in their own different way. Like, one of the characters is Aunt Glad. She's the oldest member of the family. She's traveling from her retirement home to the old family home for the wedding, and she had grown up in this house, and so 
she's very old. She's nearly 100, and so she's starting to fade. Her memories are fading in and out. I don't know if they specifically say she has Alzheimer's or maybe she's just old, but it's fascinating reading from her point from like from her point of view where she will be in the present and then she will slip into the past and being at this house reminds her of her past and there's like a big trauma she experienced as a child that it kind of will slip you in and out of it in a, the most beautiful way I, I cried a lot when I read this book and then it the, and then it'll go straight to Pim who is the youngest character he's like five years old He's the Pim. Interesting. I don't know what his name is short for, but it's awesome seeing the whole thing from his point of view because he's just a five-year-old and he runs around naked most of the time, even though his mom is constantly screaming at him to put on clothes because they have guests because there's a wedding in two days. And so he like, all he does is play like war games. And so like, it's cool because you see that like he's climbing around he sees a tent in the backyard which is where clem and her two best friends are staying and uh he thinks it's the enemy's tent so he goes in and he pillages it and he finds all these things that he sees as like their weapons and blah 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 but in reality you're realizing like oh he just stole that girl's box of tampons oh no that's her birth control oh no he's stealing the wedding ring like just like all this stuff but um so it's really cool because you see these scenes through the eyes of a five-year-old and you see his innocence, but at the same time, you understand what he's doing as a part of the bigger scheme. There's also, you see a little bit from the point of view of a mouse that lives in the house. It's not written in like a cute cartoony way where the mouse is like, look at the people. Like the mouse is literally just like surviving. And yet it's so heartfelt the way that she writes it. Like I cried during one of the mice mouse scenes because she like built a nest for her babies and she had just had her babies and then a flood washed them away and I'm just like <laughs> like just like yeah so anyways it's a it's all beautiful and then there are lots of like important themes that are like put into this story like one of them is Clem like I mentioned as a performance art major she's very whimsical and flighty and she's getting married to her uh, college girlfriend Diggs who is a black woman who's studying law. Clem's just like, la da da! And Diggs is like, okay, you need to like get your head on straight. Diggs gets very frustrated with Clem because Clem doesn't under even understand the concept of how much privilege she has in the world. She gets away with just like being flighty and not settling on one thing and stuff. And Diggs is like, I've had to work hard for all of this. And it's very fascinating to see how they like interact. Clem is just so. I can't think of a word besides flighty, but she is. She's just almost too whimsical. So there's a very much of yin and yang there. But when you see it work, you see it work. You know what I mean? And then um, one of the other big themes is that the two people who own the house, Walter Blumenthal and his wife, uh, Benny, they're the mother and father of Clem and Pim. They're thinking about selling this house, which has been in the family for like over, like hundreds of years, I guess, because it just has too many repairs that need to be done. And then they found out that an ultra-Orthodox Jewish family, or a group of ultra-Orthodox Jewish people are moving in and they're buying up all the land that, that they can get their hands on. And they're basically gonna convert Rundle Junction to an ultra-Orthodox Jewish community. And so like, there's like a really weird divide in the community where, in the, in the town where people are like, we don't want this. And at first it seems very like anti-Semitic. And Walter Blumenthal, he's, he's Jewish, but he's a secular Jewish man. And so he's like, he feels like protective of the Jewish people that are coming into the community. But at the same time, they're like, 
well, once they buy up a certain amount of land, they'll end up taking over a lot of the school board, and then it, like, changes the programs and blah, 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 and then plus they want to build their apartments in the marshland, and so that's bad for the environment, and so Walter's very much like, I think, you know, we don't have any right to tell these people they can't move into the community, but then his son, his teenage son Tom, is kind of like, I get what you're saying, Dad, but also they're draining our marshland. And so it becomes like this like super complex, multifaceted, they want to be accepting. The, and so, I don't know. Anyways, it's a very complex matter. All of it's very complex and beautifully written and kind of a thinker. And I have two quotes I want to read and then I'll be done. One of them is about Clem when she's making her chaotic wedding ceremony and some of the family's like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, and her uncle is watching in uh, with bemusement. He grins. When the next generation does not fear offending the previous one, this bodes well for the species. Not only that, it's the ultimate tribute. The children's way of telling their elders, behold your success, you raised us to be free. And I fucking love that. And then this one is from Aunt Glad's point of view. And doesn't history repeat itself? Aunt Glad might ask. Haven't we been taught that tragedy recurs? What recurs more often than not is possibility, opportunity, odds. The groundwork laid, the conditions met, the stars aligned, the critical mass reached. What happens then may go either way. One generation's unforgivable error, error becomes the next generation's act of grace. One generation's narrow escape becomes the next generation's foot put wrong. One generation's epic lament becomes the next generation's comic relief. One generation's reconciliation becomes the next generation's rift. The same threads resurfaces again and again, but the weave is riddled with deviation, tessellation, and transformation. No design replicated verbatim. This is the ecstasy of life. Ecstasy from the ancient Greek ek, out, and histonai, to, to stand in place. Ecstasy, the condition of being not fixed, not fettered, not set in stone. To know we are ever in motion. This is happiness. So, yeah, that's a, it's just a beautiful look at, I don't know, everything. Different generations and stuff like that. Yep, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I've run out of words. <laughs> that's all I can say. I like this book a lot. I think it's a very good read. It sounds very interesting. Yes. It sort of reminds me, I don't know why, but um, my brain was going to, like, the Royal Tenenbaums. Yes! Yes, yes. Okay, it has a very Wes Anderson feel, I think. Mm. Yes, a very a big, messy family. Yeah. It, it does have a Wes Anderson feel to me, in my brain, for sure. Like, I picture this big old house with a bunch of character. It used to be the post office, so they're, in their front living room is a bunch of mailboxes. And then when you go in the kitchen, it's like the open slots where it used to be where the postal worker would put the mail in all the different mailboxes. So, like, imagine this big living room and one of the walls is just full of, like, those old-fashioned turn-dial mailboxes. Like, it's so, so cool. cool. So, yeah, I think I think it would be... If I were even slightly good at art, I would love to sketch out my idea of what all the characters would look like in the house. But I'm not. So. That's not true. Oh. And I'm pretty sure you could probably do a cross-stitch of that and be really cool. <laughs> I steal all my designs for custom. <laughs> I do too. Like the one that I'm, the eye that I'm doing right now for my needle punch, I definitely, like, I got the idea from this woman on uh, Facebook from this group that I joined. Like, I, I'm not original with art, <laughs> unless it's poetry. I can't be original. No, Even I'm, then. I'm a, <laughs> I'd say 
<laughs> your poetry seemed pretty original to me. <laughs> I appreciate it. But I get it. it. <laughs> no, I feel the same way, though. I'm not original. I can't think of original shit to It's do really ever. hard to be original. Or I can think of original shit in my brain, but I can't translate it to paper. When it comes to, like, actual visual art, I can't do it. Anyways. And I do try. <laughs> it just never turns out. We gonna absorb some media now? Yeah. All right. What you watching? Um, I'm kind of in a TV movie rut, but um, I did watch... I don't think that we've had an episode since I watched Death Note. Hmm. Because that was in May, and I think our last episode was recorded in March and released in... It, it was recorded in March, but it was released, I think, in May. Okay. I think. Because I was... <laughs> I was still in school. I was going to that. Yeah, I watched Death Note, and first of all, L is my fucking dude. Um, Light Yagami can suck a whole dick because he, he, he manipulated everybody. Master manipulator. Like, I was like, no way all of you are this fucking stupid that you keep falling for his antics. Like, the whole show. Like... Oh my god. Also, the Shinigami was so funny. Especially, mm-hmm. it's like, when it went through, like, Apple withdrawal. Oh my god. <laughs> so funny. So funny. But why... Okay. And, and this is probably because I'm getting into anime as an adult. Why do they always make the women characters so annoying? Because there's the second Kira, and I want to punch her in the face. Mm-hmm. The way that um, Sakura and Naruto was robbed of a bomb storyline, and, like, just to be obsessed with Sasuke the whole series is why I will not watch Naruto she was robbed she could have been amazing but they were just like no we're gonna make her boy crazy she's just gonna spin this entire show obsessed with Sasuke and it makes me so fucking mad because she could have had a great storyline but the second Kira in Death Note I oh my gosh I just wanted to throw a punch her every time she opened her mouth I think her name was Mina or Mira there was one woman in that show and it was in the it was like in the beginning and you've seen death note right it's probably been a while half of it Uh yeah okay so in the beginning there is this like fbi guy that um light ends up killing after an incident on a bus and that guy was this girl's fiance and she had put everything together and light killed her right there and she was my favorite character and i was like no she's so smart she got it figured out oh she was amazing i was like actually physically upset when when he killed her dick and i was also really really upset when he killed l i was like no fucking way not l (laughs) i loved him but anyway uh death note was good Sorry, I, I, I went real into that. No, I just okay. I loved it so much. I literally watched it my entire vacation. I love that. <laughs> um, I, I just started One Piece. What did I watch before that? Oh, I watched the first season of Psychopaths, which was really good. Psycho. One Piece. Psycho what? Psychopaths. Pass. Okay. It's an anime on uh, Hulu. Hey, baby. Um. I've been watching a lot of documentaries. I watched the, um, recently I watched the the most hated man on the internet. That was infuriating. It was about the guy who basically created revenge porn. He oh, created no. a site. I cannot even remember what the site is called. Oh, it was called Anyone Up. I can't remember his name, but I don't really care to because he's a fucking dick. 
Uh, but basically, all of these women's images were just being put on this website, like, when they're, if they were, like, out drunk and, like, had their boobs out or flashed someone mm. and someone took a picture, would end up on that website. Um, a lot of women actually ended up getting hacked and their pictures ended up on that website. Mm. And that's how they ended up eventually getting a lawsuit together because that was illegal. Because it's different if you, like, take a picture of someone and send it to them or take a picture of yourself and send it to someone, that picture becomes their property. Mm -hmm. But if someone steals your photos, hacks you and steals your photos, that is theft and that and also hacking is a crime. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how they got him. But, like, this man, literally, it was so infuriating to watch. It was so infuriating because... All of these women would ask him to take the photos down, like message him personally, ask him to take their photos down. Not only did they just put these women on this website, they doxed them. They they put their address on there. They put their Facebook accounts on there. They put every all this information on them. Like those women could have been murdered. Yeah, because they're a fucking heartless dick. Like it, it was infuriating. But I think people should watch it just to be informed <laughs> and just don't send your boobs to men because men suck i think that's really it i've been like i watched the bob's burgers movie because i fucking love bob's burgers how was it it was so funny really yeah, <laughs> it was great and i've been watching well i'm gonna save my youtube for when we talk about podcasts okay. <laughs> because i don't have any podcasts but that's basically it Okay, what have I been watching? Okay, first of all, my favorite thing I've been watching lately is Nathan Fielder from Nathan For You has uh, created a new series called The Rehearsal. It's on HBO. HBO Max is where I've been watching it. And it is chef's kiss. It is, might be my favorite TV show right now. Um, It's like weekly episodes. So there's a new one out tonight. (laughs) <laughs> which I will watch tomorrow. Um, Brady and I like have our weekly ritual of Chipotle and watching the rehearsal. <laughs> but it is like, it's like Nathan for you, but grown up. Not grown up in a sexual way, but grown up <laughs> and like, it has so much more heart than Nathan for you. Which, that's not what you expect from Nathan for you. But it's like, anyone not familiar with Nathan for you, basically... <laughs> in Nathan for you, Nathan Fielder attempts to solve businesses uh, <laughs> issues. I wouldn't even say attempts. <laughs> well, he doesn't do it successfully. Oh, you mean he barely attempts. He does something. Uh, he attempts to uh, solve um, different businesses like lack of uh, customers, mm-hmm. basically, through incredibly unconventional manners. For example, one that I watched last night, because I do, we have it on repeat now in the background. Um, this was Nathan for you, by the way. Uh, Basically, he convinces a local pizzeria to run a promotion where if we don't get your pizza to you in under eight minutes, you get a free pizza. And everybody's like, fuck yeah. (laughs) So everybody's ordering these pizzas knowing they're not going to get there in eight minutes. And so they do. They get there in later than eight minutes. But then the free pizza that they give them is like the size of a cookie because it doesn't specify that the free pizza is going to be a regular size pizza. So they drummed up all this extra business. But what happens is when they go to deliver the pizzas and they give them the free pizza that's like the size of a cookie, these people are fucking pissed. (laughs) And so um, that's just one. Another one is the very first episode. Nathan helps a frozen yogurt place become popular because he decide he he helps them put uh uh he he develops a very unconventional frozen yogurt flavor and then he's like this will make you guys popular on the internet and stuff 
And so he, he devises a poop-flavored frozen yogurt. <laughs> and then, like, to in order to get people to come into the frozen yogurt shop just to try this weird poop-flavored frozen yogurt. So anyways, he does shit like that. Nathan Fielder's hilarious because he's incredibly deadpan. And he, lo- he lacks a lot of the emotions. Like and, facial emotions. Yes. And he... It's just very socially awkward. Mm. And so he'll often be like, at the end of an episode, he'll be like, so would you like want to hang out sometime outside of this? And oftentimes the people are like, oh, no, thank you. Because <laughs> he just makes everybody very uncomfortable, which is what the beauty of it. So the rehearsal was fascinating because it starts off very similar to Nathan for you. Basically, the concept is he helps people who have to do a big thing in their life that they are nervous about by creating a rehearsal for them. So the first episode is like this guy who's been going to trivia with the same group of people for years kind of accidentally lied about having like a, I think he said a doctorate in, but he doesn't have a doctorate. He has like a bachelor's, but now he feels like he's been lying to them for so long that he can't, he can't tell them the truth, but he wants to because he feels guilty even though it's been years. So Nathan like, stalks the friend that he's gonna tell it's only one specific friend so he basically stalks the friend and like kind of gets a feel for what her personality's like and then he they like hire an actress who does like a character study and the actress like becomes the friend and then he sets up an exact replica of the bar where they do trivia and he sets it up like in a warehouse and then he hires actors to play all the people, the bartender and everybody. And then he has this guy go into this fake bar and do fake trivia with his fake friend and rehearse how he's going to do it so that he can do it in real life. And so at the first, you're like, oh, every week's going to be something like this. But then it takes on a whole new level when he helps a woman who can't decide if she wants to have kids or not. Uh, he basically sets her up so that like she has like a shortened version of raising a kid. Like, for a few days, it's, like, an infant, and then they, like, replace the infant with a toddler, and it's, like, but then, like, he's, like, but she doesn't, she's not married yet, and she doesn't know what kind of man she's gonna end up with, so, like, they try to do, like, find her, like, a fake husband, but she's, like, weird, really weird and religious, so she's, like, we're not gonna sleep in the same room, and eventually none of that works out, so Nathan's, like, I'll be the father, but then he becomes, like, emotionally invested in becoming, and being the father, <laughs> and it is, like, it's so good the last episode just blew my mind because he just has so many profound things to say about all of it and you're like oh fuck like i feel things now (laughs) it is so good i really really i want everybody to watch the rehearsal um i watched worst roommate ever most of it i think i have one episode left that's just crazy Mm -hmm. that's it makes me scared Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's just crazy we recently watched love death and robots all the way through that's an awesome show each episode is like a miniature artistic short film like it's beautiful love it i want we watched bad vegan recently that was kind of crazy just this woman basically like she do you know anything about bad vegan have you seen any of it i think you and Brody told me about it okay basically this woman owns like a very well off popular vegan restaurant in new york city and she um she's a bit i don't know she's a bit odd i think she has like social anxiety and stuff i don't know anyway she's like very dedicated to her dog and then like she meets this guy and they start talking online to begin with and he like somehow just like convinces her to start giving like 
giving him money and like he convinces her that he's like part of a secret organization and that he works for the CIA and blah 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 and she starts giving him money that is supposed to go to the restaurant and it gets so bad that she can't pay her employees because she's been giving him all of her money and he's convinced because she's obsessed with her dog that's the most important thing in the world to her he has her convinced that he can make her dog immortal this is non-fiction this is non-fiction this woman is like completely entranced by this man it's like the tinder swindler well and it becomes though it's not even a romantic thing at one point he just has her so deep that she can't get out anymore and so anyways the whole thing is crazy righteous gemstones i don't think i got a chance to talk about that last time maybe i did i don't fucking remember that's adam sandler um no that's uncut gems oh uncut uncut (laughs) righteous righteous gemstones is um john goodman and uh danny mcbride uh it's a hilarious tv show about uh, a family a televangelist family and but it's hilarious because they're the most like unchristian people outside i mean they they're like they're christian but they're like so poorly behaved and so they're just like cussing all the time and they're badly behaved and it's it's hilarious it's a very funny show um i think i told you a little bit about the the sister in the family her name's judy and she says inappropriate shit all the time she'll be like (laughs) she has a fight with her husband and then they like get back together and he like says like i love you forever oh and they're from south carolina so they have the, the great accents and he's like telling her how much he loves her and she goes bj my whole bottom half is soaked right now and it ain't from pee and he goes good judy gemstone you save that piss for my chest no i'm not gonna say the whole thing never mind but anyways she's fucking hilarious and she makes the show for me anyways that's worse um, than gail from letter Kidney. that's what i th- that's why i think you would like judy because she is she's like and I she's she has insane anger issues and she just like fucking loses her shit sometimes and it's so funny um and then sharp objects i watched that which i thought i had talked about but it's just been so long since we did our media absorption that i don't think i have that was awesome i think that was a very good representation of the book i think they added a little bit i don't think in the book the mother had munchausen's by proxy like she does have you seen the show i haven't seen the show i read the book i don't think i ruined anything it's good i loved it i loved it so much uh, I watched it, and then I had to watch it again because I didn't want to watch anything else after that. You know, you get that hangover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, Sharp Objects was good. You were going to talk about YouTube during the podcast segment. Yeah, Aisha's been real bad and hasn't listened to any podcasts. Except <laughs> That's okay. I listened to Letitia's podcast. I think that was so long ago. I don't even... <laughs> so we're just going to talk about YouTube. Okay, so I've been watching uh, Gab Smolders. Recently, I just really wanted to rewatch a Resi, um, her Resi 8 playthrough, because I've been wanting to play it. But I'm so engrossed in Stardew Valley on my PlayStation right now that I'm not playing anything else. <laughs> this is my second go-round playing Stardew Valley, because I have like a very advanced farm on my laptop, and then this one uh, is basically my second one where I have more knowledge, so like it's going so good right <laughs> oh, now. Oh yeah, I like <laughs> oh, that. Killing it! But, um, yeah, so I'm watching her play Resi 8, and I just watched Jacksepticeye and Gab both play Mortuary Assistant. They played it with, like, all possible endings. And if you don't know what Mortuary Assistant is, you are a Mortuary Assistant. And a little bit ago, they had, like, a short demo that was, like, fucking solid, and it, the actual full game 
lived up to the hype and they mm. also the way it ends makes you feel like there could either be more or like be a second one um but as far as indie horror goes it's solid i definitely recommend it's so creepy it's good and creepy there like all these random noises and creaks and mm. it sounds like things are you know walking upstairs and like or not upstairs the the roof <laughs> um and then shit pops up behind you like it's really good it's not just like jump horror it's actually just like full figured shadow thing just Ooh. staring at you from a corner like Love it's you. unsettling that's the word it's unsettling um and then the purpose of the game is to figure out you go through like several bodies and you have to basically figure out which one um houses the demon and then make sure you burn the right corpse Ooh. by the end of the game. Because if you don't, um, you get um, a not-so-good ending. There are, like, I think there are four different endings that you can get. But if you burn the wrong body, you're going to get the bad ending every time. Mm. But, um, yeah, so I was watching Mortuary Assistant. And then I also love this channel called Hello Korea, where this guy, like, sets up cameras in different parts of Korea. Like, sometimes it'll be um, just forest area and sometimes it'll be like a small village area um it's always raining um and it's just really peaceful to put in the background and like look at the visuals and the street lights and listen to the rain it's very meditative i listen to it when i get sensory overload or i watch it i should say when i get sensory overloaded from work and it really helps like keep me from not wanting to break my laptop <laughs> so um i definitely recommend hello korea it's beautiful it's also just fucking beautiful Oh my gosh and like i like how he just can leave his camera there for eight hours nine hours and nobody touches the camera mm. you barely see any cars pass there'll be like three within the eight hour period like you'll see people walk past and they kind of glance at it but they just mind their own business like it's it's very beautiful i just love it um but you should check that channel out hello korea it's super nice have i watched anything else i'm trying to remember i know i watched all of john wolf's um Elden Ring playthrough because I just love his commentary. He's so sassy, but he's also like hilarious. What was his name? John Wolf. But yeah, that's all I've been doing. I forgot to mention that I just watched Antlers the other day. Have you I seen that? Haven't seen it. it was pretty freaking good. I liked it. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> um, podcasts. I have finish the adventure zone i'm fully caught up now wow really yes oh, i think he told me that actually I, I had been getting close and then i i i didn't realize how close i was until i was like two episodes out i was like oh shit but also uh brady got into the adventure zone recently and he is fucking slamming through it because he gets to listen to it while he's driving he drives like eight fucking hours a day mm -hmm. so he's um he's on graduation right now i can't believe he passed me <laughs> almost to balance but i'm not there he yet he finished balance in like a week and a half oh my so yeah which it's been so cool though having somebody to, to talk about it with mm -hmm. as he's like in real he comes home every night and like we sit down and we talk about <laughs> the adventure zone like it's very good um it's ideal <laughs> so yeah i love it so much he loves every character that justin plays which I get it because he's great. Taco is my favorite. Um, oh, I love Taco. I love Taco. So yes, I'm caught up on Taz. I think they released a live show like today, which I haven't listened to. Their live I'm shows caught are up. so funny. Oh my gosh, they are. I just which one I, did I just listen? I to? hate that people bitch about live shows because I think now I think people bitch about live Mabim Bam shows more. Which honestly, Mabim Bam has great live shows too. I think I think they have like extra pressure to be funny because they're in front of people who paid money to be there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? 
I love the Adventure Zone so much. I can't believe I'm caught up. I'm very curious to see what they do. Wait, no, that wasn't. No, it was. Okay, the the live Boston Stunt Spectacular. Um, I can't even remember who was there. But this is when Travis had a baby. Okay. So there was like a special guest. I think his name was Brian. And the whole arc was hilarious. Oh, I remember what it was about. They had to do like friendship tests. Okay, so that guy I think is um, the guy who does Hello from the Magic Tavern. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Brody yeah. was just telling me about that. Oh my god, that show was so <laughs> funny. I was crying. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a good one. <laughs> um, what else? Um, Letitia's podcast is called Pros and Ex-Con. That's what it is, Pros and Ex-Con. And uh, I've been listening to that one, doing some healing. Letitia's very good at being thoughtful about stuff like that. If you need to do some healing, uh, I would say check out Pros and Ex-Cons. And then I have not had the chance to listen to it yet, but Letitia just started another podcast with a couple of friends, Chloe, uh, Chloe and, and Megan, Megan, called Safety Meeting. Yes. And so you should check that one out too. I, like I said, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Uh, I imagine it's going to be a lot more healing. Yeah. So stuff. We got here. Yeah, both Chloe and Letitia are pretty big on that. I haven't met Megan, but I've heard a lot about her. She seems pretty solid, so I'm sure it's a great listen. Right, right. I imagine she'd probably be on the same page. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been listening a little bit to Dr. Game Show, which is just a charming game show with Joe Firestone and um, Manolo something or another. I don't know. Manolo something. I don't know what his last name is. Anyways, um, they make up games or they have callers or listeners write in games that they've made up and usually they're like ridiculous and goofy and dumb they just make up this so they have like three or four different games that they have to play throughout the show and it's always very dumb and delightful and goofy they're both very goofy it's funny because they're both such like chill low energy people not low energy in a shitty way but they're just like it seems like they're high i'm pretty sure they're not but they just like are very chill, and so their games their games are very interesting. Um, I like them. And then I've been listening. I was telling one of our coworkers about Let's Not Meet and how creepy it is because she was oh like she gosh. was saying she was caught up on all of her true crime stuff. And I was like, Have you heard of Let's Not Meet? And then I was like, It's very very creepy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I've been listening to it and it is creepy. And then I was like, I want to listen to it. So I've been listening to that again and getting myself creeped out. Uh, I'm really sh- I know like, I've talked about it on here before. Put you on edge. Yeah. Like, you want to watch every corner. Yep. Yes. Oh my gosh. People are just insane. I know we've talked about that show on this podcast before, mm-hmm. but if you're new and you're just tuning in now, I'm sorry. And also, um, <laughs> also, yeah, Let's Not Meet is about um, people write in their stories about terrifying encounters that they've had with strangers that they never want to meet those strangers again. Um, my go-to one is the girl who, she was staying in a hotel for like a softball tournament or some something like that. She walks into her hotel room and there's a woman in her hotel. And so she like runs out, the, the woman had been like digging through her stuff. So she like runs out and I don't know exactly how it goes, but the security guards like looked at the footage and there wasn't footage recently of this woman, of that day of the woman going into her room. So like, how the fuck did this woman get into her room? And then that night, she's, like, brushing her teeth, and she sees drywall in the sink. And she, like, looks up at the mirror, and she realizes you can pull the mirror out. So she pulls the mirror out and looks behind, and this woman had been living in the wall Mm -hmm. behind the mirror. And she would get out when the person was out of the room and, like, dig through their shit 
and then get back in. And the reason the security camera didn't see her coming in or out that day is because she hadn't come, gone in and out that day. She was just in the wall. So creepy shit like that. Ooh, really spooky. <laughs> Most of the time it's men harassing women in scary ways. Um, yeah, that was one of the rare times where it was just a woman being creepy. But yeah, so super spooky. Pretty, pretty cool podcast. So those are my podcasts. Music? Music makes me lose control. We don't really have a section for games, but you, you said you've been playing Stardew Valley. Um, I've been playing Stray and yes! Stardew Valley That's and Graveyard That's what I wanted to talk about. Graveyard Okay, Keeper. I haven't finished Stray though, so don't... No, I haven't either. I haven't played it since, like, last time we talked about it, yes, I feel like. Actually. <laughs> um, Graveyard Keeper. Oh, yeah. It's sort of like uh, Stardew Valley with, like, the crafting and you're just, you have to keep up this graveyard. There are, like, little missions for the townspeople that you gotta do. Like, okay. yeah, I, I mean, that's really it. It's just, like, <laughs> it's just a crafting game. Sounds fun. I think it, I'd like it. It is fun. Um, who's? told me oh my friend Allison hi Allison I love you um she told me about it and showed me like some clips of it and I was like yeah no I need this game. I'm hooked yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I have that I've been playing that in Stardew Valley on my PlayStation I've been playing Stray and um I love it that's all I wanted to say I've been playing Stray and I love it the it's environments very are solid it's so yeah it's the environments cool. are great the story I love, itself is yes I love the race of robot people they are excellent they are and funny so good. and sweet. I thought they were going to be so evil. Good. Yeah, I'm glad that they're not. They're all so nice. Also, Aww. you just get to do cat things. Like, you yeah. can scratch the doors and the yeah. couches. You can knock shit over. I love that scene where you can, like, jump up on the chess table. Yeah. While those robots are playing chess. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's so funny. I like that you can, um, if you find a paper bag on the ground, you can put it on your head. <laughs> and when you put the bag on your head, it inverts the controls. So you, like, bump into shit. It's, <laughs> it's so, so good. But there's a button specifically for meowing. And you can mm -hmm. bet your ass that I sit there and go, meow, 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 yeah. meow It's meow. so much fun. <laughs> My uh, my cats always come in here when I'm playing it because yes, of that. Yes, my cats will watch They're the like, screen when I do it. Yeah. <laughs> so will Bella, actually. <laughs> I saw this video of this girl playing Stray, and she has the cat facing away, and her dog is barking at it. And then she will make the cat come towards the screen, and the dog will, like, run away. Aww. And then she'll make the... <laughs> so it's like the dog knows that the cat could get its ass. <laughs> but, yeah. So, anyways, beautiful, beautiful game. What you listening to? Um, okay, so I'm going to list this song called Dark Matter by Rivals, um, Parasite Eve by Bring Me the Horizon, which was done in 2020. I haven't liked the Bring Me the Horizon song since their Sympaternal album, which the whole album was fucking solid. Um, so this song fucking slaps, okay? <laughs> it's so good. Um, St. Bernard by Lincoln, um, Desperado by Rihanna, and then Sexy Villain by Remy Wolf. Which is just a fun song. I think it's mostly about like dumping your shitty ex. <laughs> I like it. It's just so much fun. I, I also just love Remy Wolf. I can't. I don't think she can make a bad song. I like that. Um, and then Run Away by Ray Ami, who I fucking love. She also wrote a song called Dictator, and it's just really fun because she's like she does like a lot of speaking parts in it, mm. and then. Um, goes into like these really cool soft vocals and then that's like the formula for her songs and it's just like really cool it's sort of like rap like it's sort of like she's rapping but not really okay like it's it sounds more spoken but just like sort of like poetry like okay just behind like a, a harder beat so it's like okay. more upbeat okay but it's just 
I don't know. I fucking love Rayami, okay? Dictator is also one of my favorite songs by her. But that's what I've been listening to. Bell Bell. What have I been listening to? <laughs> Bella. Okay. Inspired by my recent viewing of Sharp Objects, one of the songs that instantly stuck out to me in the show and also like really added to the atmosphere of the show is a song called Tumbling Lights by The Acid. It's a very like, I don't know how to explain it. It's so bad at my words. Like industrial sounding? No, it's like atmospheric kind of like. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. Like in fact, you can, there are like bird noises in it. And it, uh, like, when I'm listening to it, when I'm, like, jogging or walking, I'll, like, think that a bird's close to me. And it's just... But then it has, like, this slow bass build that almost fills you with dread, but cool dread. I don't know. It's it's a good song. Um, and then, like, I recently rediscovered and decided that it's going to be my new karaoke song, the song Love Me Dead by Ludo, which is a song that I absolutely fucking uh, jammed to when I was in high school. It is such a fun song to sing, so I haven't been to a karaoke in a hot minute because it's on Tuesday nights, and I'm the most dead on Tuesdays, so, uh, but if I ever, if we ever do go, or if there's a karaoke on another night that we go to, Love Me Dead is going to be my song. I don't know where I found this song, but um, the song Famous Last Words by James Blake, oh my god, it's beautiful, it's just a pretty song. Uh, and then the song To Pluto's Moon specifically the song Lux remix by My Brightest Diamond. That song fucking slaps. I don't know how to explain songs. It's good. And then Bottom of the Barrel by Lung to celebrate the fact that they have a new album coming out soon. And Bottom of the Barrel is absolutely one of my favorite songs by them. So woohoo! Music! Love them. Lung is excellent. If you get a chance to listen to them, they are so it's a two person, a two piece band. Kate, Kate, Wake, Kate Wakefield, Kate Wakefield and Daisy. There we go. Yeah. So Kate Wakefield is a cellist, and she plays like this amazing like electric cello, and she sings, and then Daisy is the drummer. So it's just this cello, this vocalist, and a drummer. And then I believe she does like she samples. Mm-hmm. She like samples herself singing harmonies, and it is um, it's so cool. We got to see them live it, a couple of times. We saw them at Lady Fest in 2020, 2019. I mean. And then no. we did not. We saw nobody live in 2020. <laughs> um, and then we uh, we got to see them at Blind Bob's this past winter, and it was they so are good. just so amazing. Her voice so. will just chills, chills, literally chills. Yeah, so good. So uh, check them out, please. Support your local bands. I think they're originally from Cincy, aren't they? I think so. Yeah. My favorite song by them is uh, called Stranger, Ooh. and there's also. Um, I'm Afraid of Americans. Yeah, I love that one, too. Yes. (laughs) Definitely check them out. Yes. They're one of my favorites, yeah. All right. Do you have closing remarks? Do you have more things? I don't have more things. All right. Um, I rest my case. No closing remarks. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back. We'll try to, like, get back to some normalcy. But once again, life does happen, so mm-hmm. we'll we'll try. No guarantees for anything. Yeah. Don't expect anything from anyone. That's yeah. your life lesson to take away from this. Just awesome. like be happy for the gifts you receive. Look at you. <laughs> Which is our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is a gift. It's a gift. If you're interested in being a guest on the show and you're local, just like send us an email. We'll get to you. We got a lot of people that we want and a lot of people that we're thinking of. So like. If you want to be one of those people, just hit us up at 
Goodreads Better Friends Podcast at gmail.com. Do that, please. So I would love to get an email from a real fucking person. Yeah, not a fucking bot <laughs> saying hi. <laughs> stop it. Just stop it. it. Don't also don't send us an email that just starts with hi, because we'll think you're one of the multiple bots that are stalking our account right now. Um, if you want to look at pictures that we post, you can follow us on Instagram at Goodreads underscore better friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I also tend to put those Instagram posts on our Twitter, which is um, at GRBF pod. I think it's at GR underscore BF pod. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Also, you'll probably get, you know, that that's where we post on Instagram and Twitter when we have new episodes out. Mm-hmm. And since we don't have a regular schedule, you'll need to rely on those two posts <laughs> to know that we have new episodes out. Um, we also have a Tumblr, and that Tumblr is for reblogging pictures of vintage books and also our show notes, Yay. which I will type up. I'll, I'll uh, link out all the bullshit that we talk about that I remember to, to write down. And uh, I make a playlist of our uh, music that we talk about, so uh, I'll link that in the t- on the Tumblr as well. Yeah, playlist um, is fucking fire, by the yeah. way. So, so each episode I make a playlist for, so if you specifically only want to listen to the music that we talked about here... You can listen to that, and then I make a big-ass playlist where I take the music we recommend in every single episode, and it's this big one. It's called GRBF's Big Juicy Playlist, and uh, it's amazing because I love listening to it because it just, like, encompasses our personalities mm-hmm. so fucking well. And then, like, whenever Aisha and I go on a car trip, I, I when I'm driving, I always play the GRBF Big Juicy Playlist because it's awesome. It has shit that we both like on it. Mm-hmm. So it's cool because our... We have, like, a Venn diagram of music tastes. Like, you have shit that you listen to, I have shit that I listen to, but then there's a big spot in the middle. (laughs) And so, yeah, I love it. So, check all that shit out. We we love you guys, and we work hard to put out stuff for you, even if it doesn't seem like it. (laughs) We do. (laughs) And uh, thank you so much for listening to us and supporting us. And you can follow me on Instagram at I underscore each underscore ug i can't believe i've been saying gosh this, time. we're on episode 20 what three I don't know. something I think like so. that probably yeah and it was last episode that she realized that it's underscore instead of dash yeah. so huh, it's it. fine if they follow goodreads better friends on podcast or on instagram then they probably are able to find you through that so, so. we'll just um uh, you can follow me at certified underscore morganic. Wait, is there an underscore? <laughs> no, I'm questioning. Yeah. No, I think there is. Yes. Certified underscore morganic. Um, that's my name on there. It's pretty sad that I know that hers is an underscore, but I didn't know that mine was. <laughs> so, I don't even know if you can dash a name in Instagram. I think it has to be an underscore. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, it is an underscore. Go me. Post a, I post a lot of cat pics. I post a lot of pictures of me and my resin art because those two two things that make me happy. Hey! Love that. (laughs) (laughs) So, if you want to see me or my resin art, please follow. Um, But thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. Don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe. (laughs) Comment! Hit that like button! Smash it! Smash it! Well, we just lost all of our listeners. Um, (laughs) Thanks for going this far with us, guys. Bye. Bye.